Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As we look at these two verses, as uh, many of you will have uh, noticed that uh, you'll see uh, Proverbs where you'll see two verses kind of grouped together. And you'll see, as we saw last week, verses 1 and 2. This week we see 3 and 4. And in uh, verse number 3, we see the instruction. But in verse number 4, we see the blessing. We see the reward that comes from obedience to God's word. And we see some of the blessings that come when we get into God's word, when we read it, when we study it, when we learn it, when we apply it. And it becomes a part of our lives, and we, and we see some of these blessings. We see, first of all, there in verse number four, by way of introduction, we see that there is this blessing of grace. Or, or so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and men. This word used for favor is used first in Genesis chapter number six. Genesis chapter number six, as many of you will know, is the passage about Noah. So we know about Noah, but I want to point out some of these verses in verse number 7 and verse number 8. Verse number 7 says, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. The Bible talks about the wickedness of men and the thoughts that they had and the actions and the, de- uh, and the deeds that they, that they did. And, and the Lord is looking down on the wickedness of men and, and he makes this proclamation, verse number 7. But verse number 8 is a wonderful verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When you consider what happened in Genesis chapter 6 and you consider the the events of the time of Noah, there's wickedness in the land. Everybody is doing wickedness. Everybody's thinking wickedness. Everybody's doing contrary to what God's word says. Doesn't it seem like our world is getting more and more like that? You could see that more and more things are heading in that direction. And this is the time that Noah lived in. And everybody else was doing it. But after the flood, I'm sure that Noah said, I'm glad that I was different. Because living for the Lord ended up with a different result. And that's what God's grace does. What God's grace does is it gives God's people a different result. Aren't you glad for God's grace with respect to salvation? Aren't you glad that you have an opportunity to go somewhere different from where you deserve that I have an opportunity to get to heaven that you have an opportunity and if you've trusted in Christ as your savior you could go to heaven and we want that kind of grace we need that kind of grace and not just for salvation but in day-to-day living we also see that there is good understanding verse number four also says so shalt thou found favor and good understanding in the sight of God and You ever feel like sometimes when you're having a conversation with somebody or maybe a a relationship with a family member or a friend or just somebody that you know, maybe even a coworker, that you just feel like they don't understand you? You ever been there? Husbands, don't you feel like your wives, they don't understand you? And wives, you feel like your husbands don't understand you? And we don't understand our family members, our friends, or things like that, and And there are many times when just our differences make it difficult to understand and to be understood. 
But the Bible says that we can find good understanding in the sight of God and man. This word for good understanding is uh, the root word comes from the same word that is used in Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8, when it talks about good success. Verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. You see the pattern that is given by Joshua to the children of Israel. He says, you want to have some good success? Let me tell you how to get it. You get into the word of God, and then you meditate it on it, and you think about it, and you absorb your mind in it, and then you apply it to your life, and then you do it. That's what Joshua is instructing them. And it says that thou mayest deserve to do according to all that is written there, and for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You know, I want to have success in my life. I'm sure that all of you do as well. And particularly when it comes to success in our relationships, we want to have good understanding in our relationships. Also, it's important to understand that we find grace and we find good understanding with God and man. It says, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man, because you need to find favor with the right people, and it begins with God. Sometimes we can get so focused on uh, our, our relationships with other people, and they're so important, and we need to develop them and grow them and use them in a godly way, but our first priority ought to be our relationship with the Lord. It ought to be the time that we spend with God thinking about it. Because we need to find that favor and good understanding in the sight of God first. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, there was a very uh, famous uh, figure skater in Korea. Uh, maybe if you're uh, not Korean, you probably will never have heard this name before. But if you're Korean, I think everyone's heard this name because it comes out everywhere. There's this figure skater that was very successful, won a gold medal uh, a, a, a number of years ago. And uh, I remember that this uh, individual, she went to the next Olympics, and she was the odds-on favorite to win it all, to get the gold medal again. And uh, so she, she performed, and, and uh, I remember reading about it later, that everybody was writing about how, oh, she did so great, she, she should have won the gold medal, she was better and everything, except she didn't win the gold medal. She won the silver medal. Because there's a number of judges that had determined that somebody else had done better. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. You know, at the end of your life, you're going to stand before a judge. Not a state judge, not a federal judge, not the Supreme Court judges. You're going to stand before the judge of all mankind. You're going to stand before God. You're going to stand before your creator. You're going to stand before your savior and give an account. And we need to find favor with that judge, the God of heaven. And think about what would please my Lord. What would please God in heaven? I think this morning as we look at verse number four, we want to have some good favor. We want grace. We want good understanding, and we want it in the sight of God and men. And how do we do that? Well, we see the instruction in verse number three. 
first of all, I see that we need to be merciful. Verse number three, let not mercy and truth forsake you. You know, there's many definitions to mercy that people might give that you might find in the dictionary. Uh, but as some of you may know, Noah Webster, he wrote the very first uh, dictionary. Uh, and uh, we, we call it today the Webster's 1820 Dictionary. In that dictionary, there's this definition of mercy. That bele- uh, benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. I think it's a, a nice definition. What does it mean to be merciful? One way you could look at it is to treat people better than they deserve. You ever been in a relationship, maybe a family relationship or a friendship, a coworker or a boss, and the mindset sometimes can be, well, I'm going to do this to them because that's what they did to me. Right? I think we've all had that thought, haven't we? Well, she did that to me. He said that about me. They did this to me. And there can be a temptation to say, well, that's what they did, so I'm going to do that back to them. But if we want to find grace, we want to find good understanding, you know what the Bible says? Let's be a merciful people. And let's treat people better than they deserve. And, and let's flip this around. Don't you want to be treated better than you deserve? Right? Aren't there moments where you, you know that you messed up? Right? You made a mistake. You chose wrongly, you said the wrong thing, you did the wrong thing. But you want that forgiveness, don't you? And we know that we want mercy from others. How do we find good favor and uh, a good understanding in the sight of others? Is to treat other people better than they deserve. To think about mercy. You know, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 43 says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Of course, it's natural. You love people who love you. And you don't like people who don't like you. You're kind to people who are kind to you. You might be unkind to people who are unkind to you. But verse 44, Jesus says, But I say unto you, this is what God says, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Love them, bless them, do good to them, pray for them. Why? Verse 45, That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh this, uh, his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. You know what God is saying right here? He's saying we need to treat people better than they deserve. You know why? Because our God treats us better than we deserve. You know everything that we have in life? Everything is because God gave us talent, abilities, opportunities, life, breath, family, relationships, uh, uh, and all of these different things, God has given us so much. Verse 46 says, for if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? Doesn't everybody do that? Doesn't everybody love people who love them? Verse 47, and if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is you know, we ought to treat people better than they deserve. Because, first of all, God treated us better than we deserve. You know, because the Bible makes it very clear we are all sinners, aren't we? We're all sinners. The Bible makes it very clear. For there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned 
And there are wages to those sins, for the wages of sin is death. There's a consequence. And God loved us so much that he died on the cross for you. And he died on the cross for me. He died on the cross out of his mercy. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You know, there's a passage in Matthew chapter 18 about Peter. And Peter is asking the Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Peter's asking the Lord, how often should I forgive somebody? They keep making offenses. They keep doing the wrong thing. It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. How often should I forgive them? Peter, or, uh, Jesus, in response to Peter, gives a story. He said there's a certain king who had his servants, and one of his servants owed him 10,000 talents. We're not sure exactly maybe how much that might be in today's dollars, but there's been a number of estimates. The estimates that I've seen are in the millions of dollars. So let's say it's $10 million. There's a servant who owes the king $10 million. It's not something that a common individual would be able to pay off. And he begs for forgiveness. He says, I will pay thee all. I will pay you back everything. He's not able to pay back anything. But the king forgives him. And he says, okay, that's fine. That same servant goes out and he finds somebody who owed him 15 pence. Let's say he owed him a debt of $50. Is it a genuine debt? It is. Right? It's a genuine debt. Should he forgive him of that debt? He should. Shouldn't he? Why? Because he was forgiven of so much more. And the Bible instructs us, hey, let's be a merciful people. Hey, you know what? Your, your, your family members, they're going to say some things. They're going to do some things. They're going to forget some things. Your coworkers, even church members, there's going to be times and moments where we want some forgiveness. And we want to extend mercy. And let me encourage you and your families Treat your family members better than they deserve. Hey, husbands, treat your wives better than they deserve. Better than they deserve. Wives, treat your husbands better than they deserve. Hey, let's treat our friends better than they deserve. And the Bible says if we are a merciful people, we will find, as it says in verse 4, great favor, good understanding in the sight of God and man. Also, we need to be truthful. It says there, again, in verse number three, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Truth is such an important thing these days. And it seems to be more and more of a rare item that is to be found. Because it says very clean, uh, clear and plainly, 2 Timothy 4, verse number three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they keep to themselves teachers having itching and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You know, God makes it very clear that in the end times, people will not.
not want to hear the truth. What they will want to hear is what makes them feel good. That's what they want to hear. They want to hear something that makes make me feel good, something that sounds good to me. But what we need is the truth. Amen. We need the truth. Where do we find the truth? Well, John 17, 17 makes it clear. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If we want to find grace and good understanding in the sight of God and man, we need to focus in on the truth. Where do we get the truth? In God's word. We need to focus in on God's word. We encourage every believer, get into the Bible each and every day. You know, this word truthful here in verse number three has a, a, a several different nuances to it. Uh, first of all, I see that it, it, it means to be factual. Of course, that's what the truth means, right? It means the facts, reality, truth. And we need to face the truth. Because sometimes it's not easy to face the truth. When I was in, in college, I had my very first speech class. And you know, you're the instructor is telling you about how to construct a speech and, and how to do these different things and techniques for speech. And, and probably most of you, many of you, would have had a similar experience going through speech class, maybe in high school or college or something like that. And uh, you, 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 you might remember some of those things. And, and uh, they would ask you to give a, a number of speeches throughout the semester or the, through the year. You remember this, right? Remember being in speech class. How many of you had one of those classes where you were instructed to record yourself, watch yourself, and then critique yourself. How many of you had that instruction? You had that. Okay, a couple of you, not too many. I had that instruction, and it was the worst experience of my life. Because my first thought when I heard my voice was, do I really sound like that? Right? You ever record a voicemail, and then it says, play it back, and you listen to it, and you're like, I don't sound like that. <laughs> Who is this guy? This isn't me. And I remember looking at myself and thinking, do I really do that when I talk? Do I really sound like that? I had, uh, when I was uh, in uh, middle school and high school, I, I had piano lessons. And, and uh, every year around the Christmas season, we would have a recital. You know, that's kind of what you do. You know, you go out and, and you play in front of all of the parents and everything. Every year we would do this. And, uh, you know, it's just something that we did. But my mom had this idea later on of, hey, you know what? This is something that, you know, it'd be a shame to lose. So uh, right about that time, somewhere in December, we would go to a recording studio, and I would record that song that I was going to do for the recital. And, uh, she, and she, we, we put it back on that day on a cassette tape, right? So it was recorded on a cassette tape. And we played this cassette tape. And, and uh, I remember recording it and uh, being done with it and never wanting to hear it again because every time I heard it, I heard every single mistake all along the way. And my mom, being the merciful mom that she is, she says, no, it's perfect, right? And in my mind, I knew, no, that's not perfect. No, don't you hear this mistake here and here and here? You know, it, it can be a difficult thing to face the truth. You know, the Bible describes the word of God as a mirror. You get to see an accurate reflection of yourself. And sometimes, sometimes we don't like what we see. In 2 Samuel chapter number 11, there's the event of David and Bathsheba. David is the king of Israel. He's the ruler of all of the land. 
adultery with her. He thinks it's, a, it's done, nobody will know about it, it's fine, it's gone, and then he finds out that she is expecting. So now he realizes he's in trouble, I'm going to get found out. So he calls her husband back from the battlefield and tries to come up with this scheme to try to get around it. It doesn't work, and he orders for that man to be killed out on the battlefield. In 2 Samuel chapter number 12, God sends a man, Nathan, to speak with David. And in verse number 7, after he gives a story, and they have a little bit of a conversation, verse number 7, Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. He says, you've committed a sin. What you did was not right. And in verse number 13, we see the response that David had to the truth. His response to the truth. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You know, David was a blessed man. But he certainly wasn't a perfect man, was he? He wasn't. He was not a perfect man. He committed some grave sins. But one thing about David was he was not afraid to confront the truth. And sometimes we just need to be honest with ourselves and just say, there's something not right in my heart. There's something that I'm not doing right. You know, to be honest, you're right. What you're saying is right. You're confronting me with something, and I need to get it fixed. I need to make some adjustments. I need to make some changes because I want some favor, and I want some good understanding, and I want it with God and men, and I'm sure all of you do as well. How do we get that? Well, we be merciful, and we be truthful. We confront the facts, and we deal with them, and we make adjustments. The word truthful also contains with it the idea of being firm or being stable. We see something there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You see that there is a group of people that is described as, you know, being like a ship in the sea, just being tossed everywhere, going this way and that way and tilting this way and that way. How do we avoid that? Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Also, it contains with the idea to be faithful, to have a true friend is to have a faithful, loyal friend. First Corinthians chapter four, verse two. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So I want some grace in my life. I want some good understanding. I want it in the sight of God and men. How do I get it? Well, I need to be merciful. I need to be truthful. Thirdly, I need to be dependable. Verse number three doesn't just say, if you're looking at, if you have your Bibles open, look at it, look at the verse. It doesn't just say, have mercy and truth. There's more to the verse. Read the first section. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Don't let it leave. You know, because just 
in the normal uh, way of life, it's like we're going upstream. If you paddle just a little bit, you stay in the same spot. If you do nothing, then you slowly slip back, don't you? I think all of us who have played sports, we've experienced this, right? If you remember playing sports in high school, you remember playing, you know, tennis, or you remember playing basketball or soccer, you remember playing it back in middle school, high school, maybe college, and you remember how good you were? How many of us are just as good today? Some of us are, yeah, I'm, I'm still the man. <laughs> but I think all of us recognize, you know what? If we don't keep practicing, what happens? slowly slip backwards, little by little by little. Just to maintain the same level, we need to get in there every day, and we need to practice consistently. You know, I played the piano, and I uh, played the piano when I was a young kid up through high school, and, and uh, played for uh, my church. I played for the choir when I was in, in high school and in college, and uh, so we would, we would go to church uh, 4.30 every Sunday afternoon. We'd practice for about an hour and have our evening service. And then after the evening service, I would practice with people who are singing specials in the next week or next couple of weeks. And, and uh, so I, I would play the piano. I would do a lot of those kinds of things. And uh, recently on Wednesday nights, I've been playing the piano for the, for the, for the congregational singing. And I've been, I've been playing the piano and I enjoy playing the piano. But I've noticed that I'm not as good playing and I used to be able to just, whatever song was up there, get over there and just play the song, and it's all good. And I've noticed I need to look at the songs ahead of time now to make sure that I know how to play the music because I haven't practiced as much recently. You know, if we do nothing, you know what happens? We don't stay in the same place. You know what? We slowly slide backwards. That's why we got to be diligent. We need to be preserving. We need to keep going. You ever go out onto the street and see one of those old classic cars, right? Those cars that maybe from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. If you see a car from the 80s, it's just an old car. It's not a, it's not a classic yet, right? You know, but you see these old, old cars. You know that somebody put in some work, didn't they? You know it. Because what happens as you just drive a car, even if you just let it sit there, it slowly begins that's why we got to be diligent and we got to be faithful. That's why we encourage believers, be faithful to church. Be faithful in your daily devotions. Get into God's word each and every day because if you don't, you slowly slip backwards. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. A righteous man, what does he do? A just man, he keeps going. He tries again, and he does it again. Psalm 37, 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. We need to be preserving and persevering. We also need to be proactive. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. How many of you have ever been to, uh, maybe uh, you've been to a theme park and uh, walked into one of those restaurants with the high ceilings, and, and uh, how many of you have ever been there, walked into a restaurant and looked up and saw one of those balloons right at the top of the ceiling? You know what I'm talking about, right? And what's your first thought? There's some poor kid that lost his balloon. You look up there and you're wondering, I wonder what kid lost the balloon. And you know, you go out and you buy the balloon and you say, hold on to the balloon. 
no, hold on to the balloon. And then what, is, what happens to the kid? He gets distracted, doesn't he? Or he gets bumped. Or he forgets. And he lets go of the balloon. You know what happens? That balloon, it's gone. So you know what you need to do? If you're going to make sure that the balloon stays there, you need to tie something ahead of time. You can't wait until the kid lets go of the balloon, can you? Because then it's too late. you got to prepare ahead of time. Isn't that what we do with tests? Those of you that are students, what do you do? You don't, think, you don't wake up the morning of and say, oh, there's a test, I need to get prepared. What do you do? You study ahead of time. You might have some emergency equipment in your car, right? Each and one of us in our car, we have a spare tire. We have a jack. Why do we have those things? Because we don't know when an emergency might happen, so we need to be prepared ahead of time. For us to be wise often means that we need to be prepared ahead of time. Those of you that are not married yet, single, hoping to get married, when is the right time to prepare for your marriage? It's not when you get married. It's before you get married. When is the right time for those of us that are our parents? When's the right time to prepare? It's better for us to prepare ahead of time. It's really difficult to hold a newborn baby and read a parenting book at the same time. <laughs> right? I think it's a good principle for us to practice. Be prepared ahead of time. Also, I see that we need to be purposeful. Write them upon the table of thine heart. The word there has the idea of a tablet, a stone, wood, or metal tablet. You know how you write on a stone tablet? You engrave it, right? We're not talking about penciling something in. We're talking about taking a hammer and a chisel and carving truths into our hearts. And you know what? That takes time and effort and work. How many of you have ever found a, a receipt from long, long ago that you forgot, and then you pulled out the receipt, and you realize you can't read it anymore? That happened to me the other day. You know, just you, you have a receipt, you, you keep them, and then you lose them, and you forget about them, and then you're cleaning things out, and then you find them again. Those receipts, inevitably, I pull out the receipt, you can't read anything, right? Because the ink is all gone. You know, it's easy, though, to just print some ink onto a piece of paper. But easy come, easy go. You want some truth in your heart? It'll take some work. It'll take some diligence. It'll take some time. You want some favor? You want some good understanding? You want mercy and truth to be a hold of your life? you got to put in some work and some labor because there's no shortcuts in the Christian life. It's like building muscle. There's no shortcut, no shortcuts to building muscle. You just got to get in there every day, every week, working out, uh, taking time, putting in effort. We as Christians, we need to get used to uh, spiritual labor. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 29 says, Whereas I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. As it says in verse number 4, I want some good understanding. 
And I want some grace. I want some favor. I want it in the sight of God and man. How do I get it? I be merciful. I treat people better than they deserve. And I treat people better than they deserve. You know why? Because God treated me better than I deserve. And also, I'm going to be factual. You know what? I'm just going to be straight. I'm going to be honest. Somebody confronts me with the truth. I will accept it. I will receive it. I will make the application. I will make the change. I'll be faithful. I will be consistent. And also, we need to be dependable. We need to put in the work, spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer, spending time serving, spending time coming to the church services to fellowship together, to encourage each other, to serve one another. And when we do, God promises that we will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God.